Heidi ho, everybody. Hi, friends. Well, from beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Dan Beecher. And I'm Andrea Beecher, filling in for Frank. Yeah. Hi, Andrea. How hi. are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. My lovely wife is here, everybody. Uh, coming Hola. Up, coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about Burning Man. The okay. man, the man that burns. Uh, there was an article recently that came out. It's it's happening uh, as you listen to this, unless you're listening to it, you know, way later. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a thing that happens every year theoretically, and uh, there was a whole article about religion and that place. And you and I have both been to that place and both been religious at time, one, various times in one our lives. time or another. Anyway, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna get to that. Uh, hey, thanks so much for filling in. Of course. I appreciate you having me. I hope I don't fuck it up. Yeah, don't. Don't do that. <laughs> You're not allowed to. Okay. Well, what what do you got for us? Well, for my first story, I have a delightful little nugget um, that comes out of Oregon. Okay. That's where we all need to zoom in on. Okay. And a new law has been passed that allows people who have had amputations to actually take their body part home with them. I've okay. I've always wanted to like, if I ever had an amputation, I would want my part. I'm sure I couldn't have it. I know that there are laws, but apparently why now tell me about the Oregon law. Well, there have been laws in the past. And I think that this is one of the outliers, this new law that allows you to take what is rightfully yours. I think, I mean, it's a part of you. It belongs to you. They've helped you sever it. <laughs> but yeah, they the laws up until now in Oregon have stated that you are not allowed to take your parts home with you, that they now become, you know, just property of the hospital. Or in the rare exception, they've allowed people to they've cremated the part and sent them home with the cremains. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Just, just the beginning of your of your end. Yes. <laughs> but there is a, an organization that represents all of the native tribes, the native peoples that oh. are from that region that have been petitioning for this to change for a long time because in their cultural and spiritual beliefs, it's very important to them to have all of their person to transition, you know, properly, safely and, you know, into the spirit world. And so a lot of people were rejecting medical help because they didn't want to leave this world without all their parts. So, okay, this is another example in Oregon of, well, in the United States of the government caving to sincerely held religious beliefs. But at least in this case, like, it makes some kind of sense. Like, I don't know. I don't know why it has to be a spiritual belief before they let you... Before yeah, it can't it. just be a cultural belief or a or just a curiosity. Yeah, what does I mean, my limb look like? Shrink wrapped and wasn't <laughs> there? There was a documentary that came out at Sundance a, a few years back that was about like somebody bought a, like a refrigerator and it had a foot in it, and then there was a whole legal battle about. Oh, the foot. right, right, right. Whose foot is it now? Yeah, exactly. No, it was a barbecue. Yeah, that's what it was. And yeah, it, uh, yeah, <laughs> a foot. All right. Well, that's interesting. I don't know. I I don't know where. So, is, can anybody get their their yes. parts now, or do only Any, 
anybody can get their parts. I believe it the the law goes into effect on September 24th, I believe. Okay. And so in Oregon, regardless of who you are, what you believe, and you can get you can take your parts home. All right, go get your parts, everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think that's cool. Of all the things to be a stickler about, I guess if something is like toxic or, I mean, I don't know I how mean, they it, deal it with that. It can turn into like gangrene or or like rot. I don't know. I, 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 I wonder can, how I, they package that up to go. Would you like this gift wrapped, please? All right, just let, <laughs> let's let's freeze dry it and then put it into it and then vacuum seal it. That's all you need. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm thinking, but that. <laughs> That's just that's just funny. Is it wrapped in a brown bag and some jute, like a parcel? I mean, I just think that's pretty funny. But I love it. I think that I want if I ever have something uh, amputated, I want it uh, preserved and mounted so that I can put it on my wall. I like it. Take it to a taxidermist. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. Okay. I actually like it. Put some googly eyes on it. <laughs> An arm looking at you. <laughs> Uh, I, I I think, though, on the whole, I would prefer just not to lose any of my bits. On the whole, huh? Uh, keep my bits. Well, I'm going to move us to Texas, where uh, there's been a thing. There are chaplains in Texas um, for various reasons. You know, hospitals tend to have chaplains. There's lots of, there's lots of reasons why you might need a chaplain. Uh, one of the worst reasons to have a chaplain, however, would be for public schools. But that hasn't stopped the Texas legislature from deciding that they could pass a bill uh, making clearing the way for religious chaplains to kind of take the, the place oh. of like uh, like a school counselor counselors. Yeah, no. Yeah. So do uh, they plan to have a different type of chaplain for every Community? No, I mean, technically, chaplains in a multi-faith environment are supposed to be non-partisan or non- non-denominational. Non non-denominational. That's not going to happen in Texas. <laughs> Texas. Um, here's an interesting thing that's happened, though. Over 100 Texas chaplains, I think they're Texas chaplains, maybe it's just over 100 chaplains in general, have signed a letter urging the Texas school board's to vote against putting chaplains into public schools. I like that. I think they know their limits. Well, and they know that uh, that's not what kids need. There are places for chaplains. There, you that's know, church. Or like, uh, like I said, at a hospital when someone feels mm -hmm. that they need, a, you know, a spiritual guide or a spiritual help. Maybe Chap even like a community center, there could be somebody, you know, a contact. Or, okay. I, mean, I, I sure, don't know. Sure. I don't know all the places that they. But stick not these school, people. and obviously, school counselors go through a lot of education to get to the point at which they're qualified. Right. And chaplains don't need to go through any of that. As a matter of fact, the oh, law, no. the law in uh, Texas, uh, didn't put any conditions. On, of course they didn't. Whether, you know, on on what the chaplains needed to be trained in. The blind in. leading the blind. It was it was a it was a little rough. Um this, you know, one the one of the things that the uh this letter that was released on Tuesday uh said, it, it said, quote, because of our training and experience, we know that chaplains are not a replacement for school counselors or safety measures in our public schools. And we urge you to reject this flawed policy option. It is harmful to our public schools 
and the students and families that they serve. I think that's crazy that chaplains are like, don't do this. Yeah, I love that. I think it takes the the few, you know, in the minority view, maybe the minority view in this case, to stand up and be like, hey, this ain't this ain't cool. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how many chaplains uh, would take this position. I know some chaplains uh, that listen to this show. Hi, Terry. Uh, <laughs> definitely would take this view. Um, it's very interesting. I I have very little hope that these school boards will listen to these chaplains because well, they no, are they are so self righteous and they're all ideologues and none of them actually care about the children. What they care about is indoctrinating the the people into their Christianity. Uh, it is it is. Uh, you what know. they're accusing, you know, gays and right, yeah. the woke to, you know, yeah. do to do, you know, so accusing us of doing. They're making sure that they're doing it instead. So yeah. there you go. Uh, Boo. But at least the chaplains are smart about it. It's weird. I love that somebody stepped up and said, hey, 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 no, <laughs> yeah. no. Yep. There Reject. That gives me a little bit of hope. Good. Well... In my ex next story, hmm, it's it's just a continuation, if you will, of something that you and Frank have been reporting on because it's happening quite a bit. <laughs> oh, I don't know why I laughed. It's just horrible. It's like <laughs> I don't know how else to like start this other than like <sighs> a deep breath. Okay. Another one is bit in the dust. Another one bites the dust. Don't sing. No, don't no? sing songs that we don't have that we don't have copyright for. We, <laughs> okay, we, we get in trouble. Um, the San Francisco Roman Catholic Archdiocese has yeah. filed for bankruptcy. Oh gosh, I I can't imagine why. I know I, it's it, it seems impossible, and uh, we've never reported a story like this before at all. Well, I don't know why you would guess why. <laughs> Because this is one of the three richest counties. This is in this archdiocese is in one of the richest three of the richest counties in the country. So yeah. the fact that they need to file bankruptcy, guess why? Yeah. I mean, literally everyone listening to this podcast is ahead of you. So go ahead and just yeah. say it. So they are um, filing for bankruptcy so that they can manage more than 500 lawsuits alleged you know, alleging child sex abuse against, yeah. the, you know, yep. this archdiocese. and Because as we say on TGIA, if you have a diocese, you have a pedophilia problem. Yes, indeed. And the archdiocese, um, he is saying that unfortunately the reality is that neither that they don't have the financial means means to settle all of these claims and to litigate all of these claims. And so they're filing for bankruptcy because they just don't have the money to take care of all of this properly. Right. But really what it means is they've got plenty of money, but bankruptcy allows them to hide all of the records that people want made public. Well, there's that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and he's not wrong. Like if they had to actually litigate each of the each of the lawsuits in court, it would cost them a fortune and I think this is the I think doing this actually allows them 
to kind of lump it all together. That's true. And that would be fine if they'd already released the list. They are the only archdiocese in California that has not released the list of alleged predators. Oh, that's so cute. that's cute. So so we know what the motivation here is. It's obvious. Yeah. If they had you know put the list out, then we could be a little less skeptical about it. Well, you know, it, what we've learned over the years is that what's the important thing is to protect the predators. Absolutely. Because uh, won't someone think of the perpetrators? What about the predators, Dan? What, what about the perpetrators? Well, and the leader of this archdiocese, he's one, even if you haven't heard his name, um, Cordelione. Is that how you say it? Is, what know. is this, the godfather? Um, he has established himself as one of the most prominent and outspoken hardline conservatives in the Catholic Church. So even if you don't know his name, you've heard the story. He's the one that last year told the world that Nancy Pelosi was not allowed to take communion because right. of her pro-choice stance. Yes. He's a, he's a grumpy pants. He's a very big grumpy pants. He's a Mr. Grumpy Pants. Boo-hoo. Uh, but at least he looks out for... The, the predators. The bad guys. You know, heaven forbid. So, <sighs> yeah, prob- yeah, probably is. It's worse than The Godfather. It's it's much worse. The Godfather's victims were all other bad guys, mostly. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, Well, but he is. He's the head of a gang, yeah, an organized crime ring. Yeah, but it's a pedophilia it's a the 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 victims are children so it's like the well, worst the worst kind of crime ring that's what no I'm that at. i guess that's true crime wing nonetheless but you're right the victims are are we it's ones much it's much worse yeah all right so uh i'm gonna uh, let's just let's just keep it a little depressing for a second okay um this is this isn't that depressing it's stupid is what this one is apparently in Appalachia, uh, in Bledsoe, Kentucky, um, there there's a, a a place called Pine Mountain Settlement School, or PMSS. Which <laughs> that's that's a little that's a little rough, but okay. Pine Mountain Settlement School uh, is a place that you can rent out for events. It's got a huge uh, grounds. It's got like 800 acres and a bunch of different buildings there. And apparently it's very pretty. Why is it bad that I keep thinking of, you know, banjos and backwoods? No, like... no, no. We're not going to go there. We're okay. Not, we're, we're, not, we're not doing uh, <laughs> we're stereotypical. We're not stereotyping uh, the Southerners for, okay. for this one. I'm just getting a little afraid. N- well, don't, I mean, don't, there, there's not a, you know, a, a person. We won't, you don't need the dueling banjos. That's all I'm saying. Okay. No one's yelling squeal like a pig. Uh, but what did happen was an artist's retreat. Okay. Um, there's a a group called the Waymakers Collective, which is a nonprofit that gr- does like artist grants and stuff. And they were having this retreat, uh, in this area. It was, it was, um, a very, uh, multicultural sort of thing. It, people of, of all races and creeds and whatever, and one of the things that they decided to do, they rented out the entire property, huh? The yeah, the entire campus. And what one of the things that they decided to do was take the non-denominational chapel and convert it to a healing space, um, which was something that they did. They instituted last year when they did the same thing, um, because 
there had been a lot of flooding in eastern Kentucky, and so there was so like a lot of people were coming off of either like heavy work to fix the flooding or loss or a little bit of loss, you know, whatever. So they decided to create a uh, a space that was you know in 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 this chapel. Okay. And then, you know, so this year they do the same thing. They've got candles, they've got stuff, but they don't want it to be like Christian-y. You know, this is this is hippy-dippy stuff. So they put in a, an image of the Om symbol, which uh, a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of yoga practitioners like. You know, it's in Sanskrit sure. lettering and whatever. Uh well. Oh no. That got posted onto his, I don't know, some Facebook page or something. And the locals weren't having it. They were not going to have some heathen sig- symbol in their chap- non-denominational, non-Christian non- chapel. Also, it is the least threatening yeah. and divisive. Yeah. It's just a nothing thing. But man, anything oh that ain't got God. a cross on it is Satan to them. So, Oh, my God. They came in and literally- Would they have been just as mad in their non-denominational space if there was a cross or a crucifix put up? Oh, no, that that would be totally fine. Uh Uh-huh. This was, and so, like, yeah, this was, they decided they were going to go in and raise hell. They literally kicked these artists out. And, you know, this is a bunch of artists. They weren't going to, a small mob came in. It was like eight or nine people that came in and were like, you guys got to go. You guys got to nope, you can't do this. You you're, you're going to have to get out. And so they they left. Can you but, remind me is this a community owned space? Tax dollars go into it or is it privately owned? I think it's private. Well uh, then who are they to say get off these people's yeah. property? You know, they've paid rent for the space. But it is a local community space and they it it's a local space and like so, like one guy uh, who happens to be a, a local like judge of some sort had t- tweeted about it and just said, "You know, I support these guys. I'm appalled." Made, he said literally, "It made me sick at my stomach." This is the same chapel Stephanie and I got married, and we had and we have attended many wedding and nativity plays. I would ask folks to allow staff to explain the situation. Anyway, blah blah blah. They. They were so outraged they kicked these people out. The people left uh, early. They they uh-huh. ended up canceling their their stupid thing because they didn't feel safe. Yeah, absolutely. No, nobody was violent, but like when a mob comes in and, and starts you. yelling at you and telling you you're you're defiling their place, even though you paid for it, you rented it, you're gonna feel threatened. You're gonna yeah. yeah. So, I hope that the people who own the property sue for loss and damage, damages, and who also get a life, people. Do you have nothing better to do than to raise hell about something that is so not a big deal? No, God, people. It is a big deal. Try that in a small town is uh, what they all yep. chanted in their minds as they bravely went forth to bravely to kick the hippies out of their Gosh, the just, place where they got married. I'm like exhausted. It's so stupid. with stories like this. It is just <laughs> so lame. Yeah, yeah. The uh, and disheartening. The guy, one of the guys who was a member of this mob that went in, his name was Tate Napier, posted about it on Facebook so proudly, mm-hmm. and then was interviewed uh, by a reporter uh, from from the Tri City News. <laughs> and and here's what he like he literally said 
The people in the chapel said they were doing nothing wrong, and I asked if they were in there to worship Jesus, and a few started raising their voices at me, so I told them to just get their stuff. We weren't there to argue. And I helped them get, I even helped them gather their things. Oh, what, what a, a good person. Generous, generous soul. Uh, he, and then he, they called the sheriff, by the way, the mob called the sheriff. Uh-huh. And of course, guess whose side the sheriffs took? Oh, uh, no. The deputy showed up, and this is Tate again, says, and they agreed to stay out of the chapel, but then ultimately they decided to leave because they said they felt unsafe. Yeah, motherfucker, you're the one that made them feel like this guy is proud. That he made these people feel unsafe. These people unsafe. are so ignorant, and they can't even hear what they're saying. Yeah. Did the people who own the property make a statement? I, we, uh, I, not that I've seen. Um, That's unfortunate. I think there should have been, like, if these people are going to start this conversation. Yeah. I think the other side needs to, you know, voice why it's or somebody does needs to say why this is not okay. Right. And also, like, you know, one of the interesting, you know, there are all these, you know, comments on the on the on uh, friendly atheist Hemant's page. Uh, one of them, I love that. I love this. It says, "I." It it's it's about that judge who was uh, who who said he was a sick at his stomach, and uh-huh. it says, "An ohm triggered you, Judge Snowflake. You're pathetic." Yeah, you want to talk about being triggered? Yeah. You see, you you literally saw something that was none of your fucking business, and you flipped out. Yeah. Anyway, Snowflake, there you go. Indeed. Yeah. Oh well. So in my final story, somebody else throwing a fit. Okay, good. Yeah, Gotta love a good fit. Yeah, the you know another boo hoo <laughs> moment here. But to start the story, I'll start with the good part of of this. Okay. Uh, in Colorado, Democrats passed a law establishing free preschool across the state beginning this year. Oh, this, good. I know. Really awesome. Children can now access half-day programs, which is about 15 hours a week at no cost to their parents. Um, it, the governor's office said that it would save families on an average of $4,300 a year and give kids a head start in their education and yeah. obviously helps families you know, underprivileged or you know, otherwise yeah. getting their kids into preschool. Yep. But in order or just, Yeah, just families that need, you know, both parents can't be at home. Yeah, exactly. This it's, is this is a great. win. This is a, you know, investing in our children's future. Oh, well, that's a problem. <laughs> I, I, I smell a problem. Bum bum ba dum. <laughs> um in order for any um institution to receive this funding, they have to follow just some simple basic rules. You know, should be pretty easy. For example, they can't discriminate against students. They have to accept kids regardless of their family's race, religion, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right, which shouldn't be a problem. No. But dot, Ex- dot, dot. Except for, oh, the Catholics. Today, the Catholics, man. The Denver Catholic Archdiocese and two of its parishes are now suing state officials because they want to receive taxpayer funding without giving up their bigotry. Yeah. 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 And what I what I hate, obviously, but also what I love about this story is that they are literally coming at this saying exactly how hateful they are and why they should be allowed to continue their hate. Like, it's just, it's nothing other than, 
we want to continue being <laughs> hateful and receive public money. Right. Yeah. We. It's no fair that all these other schools that don't discriminate get money and we don't get any. Like, and also, not for, come on, you guys. You guys have been operating without this public funding. You, you, I mean, I'm guessing that these are established preschools. These are, these are. Yes. And they have been getting state money. Oh, have they? They have been getting some state money. Okay. But they will be afforded more if they give up their their bigotry. Yeah. And what they're saying is that their business is going to hurt. They're not going to, you know, that from a capitalist point of view, people <laughs> are going to go elsewhere for preschool yeah. because, you know. Because why would you pay for bigot school? I mean, I, there are plenty of people in this country who will, who will pay, pay for bigot school. For bigot school. But it'll hurt their bottom line. Yeah. And I hope so. Well, and this is what I don't understand, Dan. And maybe you can shed some light because you're certainly more of an expert on this than I am. Organi religious organizations are already tax free anyway, so that they can benefit the community yeah. with the dollars they're saving on tax you know, payments. Sure. So how is it that they're allowed to do any of to that anyway? To double dip? To double dip. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a great question. That's a fantastic point. They're I, already, they're already getting government money just by, by existing. Being ta exactly. Exactly. Well, and what's interesting, um, further, more interesting to me is that you know, and and of course, all they have to do is just not accept the state money and keep functioning as they want to. But they want to, you know, double dip. Yeah. But what's funny is that, you know, if we, if any of you are familiar with the Catholic Church, divorce is considered a sin. Yeah. Abortion is considered a sin. There's a lot of things considered sins, but they're not discriminating against families that are, you know, with, you know, discriminating against children that come from divorced families. Their own, so really, this is just an attack on the LGBTQ plus community, the transgender community, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Because they're not refusing to admit kids, you know, with other, that come from other sinful households. So it just, it's like all these levels of just idiocy and bigotry, and it's really dumb. And I love that they have filed a lawsuit basically stating how shitty they are <laughs> and how they want to continue being shitty. Yeah, that's a thing. All right. Well, speaking of shitty, uh, I'm going to take us to Provo, Utah. Oh, God. Home of that wonderful university of Brigham Young, his his fine institution. <laughs> uh and which is, of course, the Mormon-owned university down down yonder, uh, where they have changed the honor code a little what do you, bit. They've what do you updated mean? the honor code. Now, BYU is does not exist solely in Provo. There's one in Idaho. There's one Hawaii. in Hawaii. Anyway, uh, so BYU up until now, all of these different institutions had their own honor codes that were like kind of, you know, they were they were roughly the same. But I don't know if you know the Mormon church. They cannot abide things not being centralized. They don't want anyone outside of like the down, you know, the 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 church office building downtown to be to count. They need to be in control of everything. So, they have centralized the honor code. It is now something that uh it's called the CES Honor Code, which stands for the Church Education System. 
uh, honor code. <laughs> and uh, this is, uh, there's not much that's new in it. Uh, one of the things that is new is that uh, BYU-Idaho, which uh, is, is, was the most Gestapo of all of the BYUs. It's the, it's the hardest core. Okay. It is the, it is the, they are the worst. They're BYU, more rural. And so it's super rural. Yeah. Uh, there, there are only Mormons there. Uh, you know, at, at BYU, at, at BYU in Provo, you know, they care. They bring in some non-Mormons every now and then, mostly to play sports. Um, Absolutely. They, uh, you know, they, and, and there are, believe it or not, if you've been there, there are non-Mormons surrounding you in Provo. Not a lot. But it's a little, I would like, say a teensy bit more diverse, uh, you know, it's got the influence of a, a, a larger culture. Well, when you compare it to Rexburg, Idaho, it's a thousand times more diverse. So, yeah, uh, yeah there are even people with melanin in their skin there and everything. So... Uh, one of the big changes is now those in Idaho, students in Idaho, can wear, are you ready? Shorts. What? Skun, dun, dun. Kids, so those Rexburgians are going uh, to be wandering around. So they've allowed a little bit more leniency, yeah, is what you're uh, yeah. saying, from the central. Other BYU, you know, the other BYUs have allowed shorts for a while now. But I'm sure they have to hit your knee. Well, they have to be long enough to cover up your garments, so that's as you know. hit your kneecap. Yeah, the the Mormon underwear uh, goes down pretty low on the thigh, so you got to have shorts that are long enough to not reveal the gar the garments, the G's as they are frequently called. Um, so that's one thing. Another small change in the uh, honor code at BYU is that a word, a new word, showed up. Oh gosh, um, and. This one's this one's actually a little distressing to me. Uh, normally it wouldn't be, but I'll I'll explain why in a second. Um, one of the bullet points in the honor code is that uh, students are ex expected to quote abstain from alcoholic beverages, tobacco, tea, vaping, marijuana, and other substance abuse. Abuse. Yes. Um. Y you know all those people out there abusing tea abusing <laughs> coffee yeah anyway um i mean that's a real problem here's the thing marijuana's new to that to that list that list okay um and i think i think that the reason that it's there is probably just because kids are starting to see marijuana as not a big deal yeah because uh, it really it, isn't it's not much of a big deal um but what pisses me off about it is that utah has fairly recently passed medical marijuana bill it is medicine in utah it is legally medicine for a lot of people that's for a people great point who need it so put throwing that word casual just chucking it into the you can't use it as and comparing it to all of the evils of alcohol and Tea. tobacco i mean yeah it's it i, I think all that, those all them herbs it could do real damage well i, I you know i'm glad you brought that point of view up or that that comment because i i don't know that i would have thought of that but that this is i mean it, honestly it's these old white dudes sitting in a room yeah. they have no sense of the world around them outside their little bubble no and it's the stupid religion brain yeah they don't think of anything out 
you know, outside of just this narrow view of of a thing. And so even though our state politics is predominantly Mormon, so there were, you know, a lot of politicians, Mormon politicians who supported the passing of the medical marijuana, you know, bill. Yeah. They, the brethren aren't the brethren. <laughs> They're not thinking that, you know, that far past their nose. Yeah. I wonder if they'll change that and it'll be a divine inspiration later. We'll see. Did I, I don't know if I if I sent it to you or not. There was a video that came out just this last week that was meant to sort of humanize the uh the the oh apostles. Oh my gosh, you showed it to me, snooze fest and also so pathetic. It was and so it's just like a day in the life of one of the members of the quorum of the twelve. This is a man named Bednar, David Bednar. He's so plastic and monotone. And everything was just and like the he he goes into his office and his office is just it looks like it's just the saddest middle management office. This is a corporation that controls uh like a hundred billion dollars. And he's in the saddest, you know, he's walking fluorescent down lighting, halls with fluorescent acoustic lighting. tile ceiling. And then in the most amazingly tone-deaf moment I can imagine. This is a PR stunt. This was put out by the church. It was carefully crafted. Yeah, and they, again, didn't, yeah. To be a PR thing. <laughs> and then he says, and now I'm going to go in and talk to the uh, Northern Africa and Middle East uh, area leaders about what needs to happen to share the gospel there. And it shows him walk into a room and be greeted by more old white men. No women, no, at the very least. Not a woman. Not no a, a per, no person of color. Not a hint of melanin in the bunch. It was shocking. So again, they are so blind how ignorant and it's just a it's, it's a Dunning Kruger, Kruger thing. It's, it's like it's the dumbest. It's thing just this all. circle jerk of like the same. Yeah. Like they and they can't even see how ridiculous it is to the rest of us on the outside. Yeah. Also, I just had this thought. I'm all like sad, and you were saying how damaging, you know, the policy of clumping marijuana use in with all of these, you know, with alcohol and other drug use. And honestly, is it any more damaging than the rest of the religion's, you know, beliefs <laughs> and rules and all of that? No, it's, it's just, just it's just one more. It's just another one. They just I mean, add it, another one. Yeah, but it's always been there. And so there you go. Uh, uh well, friends, uh, if you'd like to chime in on this or any of our stories, please feel free to write into us podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Uh we're gonna skip, I think we're gonna skip emails and uh and patron thanks for this week. Uh, but we should at least just say, hey, thanks. Yeah, that is true. Um, thank you guys so much all to all of our uh, patrons. And also, if you would like to become a patron and shock Frank with the number of people we have to thank next week when he gets back, please feel free to do so. Go to thankgodimatheist.com. Click on the support tab. Uh, any amount is welcome and, and gratefully accepted. More show coming up. Well, what we wanted to talk about, you had found a uh, an article on RNS, on the Religion News Service, Andrea, about yes. Burning Man. We, we teased it at the beginning of the show. Um, and it, it details a bunch of different ways in which sort of religion finds its way out there. 
And Burning Man, people should know, Burning Man is expressly, I'll say, spiritual yeah. uh, for a lot of people. There is, you know, the biggest structure out there other than the giant man that is going to be burned, uh, the the eponymous Burning Man himself. Um, there's also a, a, a huge temple that is built every every year. Um, it's different every year, which is really cool. Different artists design and build it every year. Yeah. It's it's really awesome. Yeah, it's usually a big wooden structure. Um, and it's and that is that too is burned uh the day after they burn the man. But it is a place for spiritual for reflection. Offerings. Um people mourn there. People, you know, bring uh mementos of of loved ones who have passed and sort of and you know, tack them onto the building or whatever to we've, be to we, be burned with yeah. with the building or when we were there we've we wrote a few things about your pop. That's right. On the wall inside the temple. My dad he had, had just passed. My dad had just passed away, so we wrote his name on there. So it's a place, you know, to sort of there so you know, Burning Man is not without its its sense of spirituality, whatever that ends up meaning. Yeah, it's very um, different for everyone. Yeah, it can be very hippy dippy, uh, or it can be, you know, it can be a lot of things. There are some groups that try to go out there um, and do their own spirituality. There's there's a story uh, in the article about a a Jewish guy who who does a sort of very modified version of a Shabbat ceremony. Um, and and it's become very popular. Uh, it has become a thing, you know, where, uh, you know, he basically gives a sermon. Um, I don't I don't know much about how Shabbat works in in the Jewish tradition, but but what's cute? I think cute. I hope that doesn't sound demeaning or I, no, patronizing. You... <laughs> but he includes in his service, you know, readings from the Torah, but also you know makes reference to. Burning Man's orgy dome, and he makes it very Burning Man, you yeah. know, in, you know, and then they feast, they drink wine and holla. Yeah. Uh, so that's, so that's one thing. There's another group. There was a, uh, a group of Christian scientists uh, who it could be argued are neither, but that's <laughs> not the point. Uh, Here nor there. Who go out there and for a while there, they tried to set up a Christian science reading room. There, which is a big thing that they do. They always have books, and they're all just sort of the books that are of their person. Uh, Mary Eddy, Mary Baker Eddy, I think is. Her I name. think yeah. Um, anyway, they have they have since changed that because that that kind of like direct preachiness is never going to be welcome out no. there. It um, it kind of fits into the same category as as like corporate salesmanship that yeah. is not allowed there yeah there's a yeah that is that is a hundred percent uh not okay like you so, will you will not be advertised to you will there. not yeah and so and everything's given freely as a gift out of the goodness of your heart yeah a lot of people think that it's like a barter system out there it is but not. it's not a barter system it is a gifting system and i and that that's one of the things that I loved about it was just yeah. the spirit of everybody brings a bunch of stuff that they want to give to people and they want to, to be uh, generous. Like generosity 
without asking for anything in return not at all is a is a is a big part of the the ethos of burning man and And i i love that it's amazing and and everybody shows up in their own way and gives in a way they're capable or able or desire to so whether it's feeding people or giving you uh giving you an object or an item a piece of jewelry or something or you know throwing a big party and and you know, all of that. Or doing a service, which yeah. is what the uh, the, oh, the Christian scientists yes. kind of evolved to. Now they have a big tent where they will do, where, where they will uh, wash the feet of, of the various, of the burners. And I'll tell you this, <laughs> you know, that's a Jesus thing. Uh, it's a very Christian thing. The, this, the symbol, symbolic gesture of washing someone's feet, but it has never been as meaningful to the recipient as it is out <laughs> at Burning Man because everything's dust. Every It's not sand at Burning Man. It is dust. And it's very alkaline. And it gets all over you and it can be it can be a little rough on your skin. Uh, like you say, it's very alkaline. It can um, crack your skin and, and create some real problems if you don't cover your feet well. So getting your feet washed is actually something that's genuinely useful out there. And it's and sweet. And it's kind of a luxury to have. Uh, there's not showers. I mean, there's a camp that provides showers, but the, but there's there's no showering facilities. You're you're just out there uh, in the elements. So I don't know. One of the things that this made, that this story made me ask was, you know, one of the part of the another part of the ethos of Burning Man is this idea of radical inclusion. And I thought, you know, I guess. If I were out there, I would want to feel inclusive of people with religious belief, even though it's not, you know, I find it annoying and whatever. And if they, if part of how they want to give, especially if they can find a way to fit their gift into the ethos that's there in and without being, I mean, without being preachy is what I was going to say. But, you know, it sounds like this, you know, this uh, this Jewish fellow, Zvika Krieger, it sounds like he gives a sermon that is a sermon mm-hmm. without preach. Exactly. And then they one of the other events that they also do is a, or one of the gifts, little pop up um, thing that they do inside their camp is called Rituals Are Us. <laughs> and they're basically just making light of you know, the Jewish rituals and you can get an unofficial wedding, funeral, bat mitzvah. Yeah, I think they have a... A, a circumcision. <laughs> I think they have a wheel that you spin and whatever it lands on, that's yeah. the ritual that you get. Well, and also at brunch, they they exchange in place of locks, they have bagels and hot dogs, but you have to <laughs> circumcise the hot dog before you can eat it. And then all the tips of the hot dogs that have been, you know, chopped off have to go into the tip jar. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... Really, it's it's not preachy. They're just trying to create a fun space for people to gather. And I think, you know, part of the thing that this got me thinking about was, I look, I don't know what the word spiritual means. I've always struggled with that word. I Everybody that I talk to has a different answer, and none of them have any sort of concrete ideas attached to them. They're always this sort of ethereal concept that they don't, that even they will mostly admit they don't understand fully. I think that's because it's such a personal thing. The word, the word connection comes up a lot. Absolutely. Uh, and and you know, I think that the 
one of the things that you end up feeling at a place like Burning Man is a sense of connection to other people, which I love. That's one of my favorite things about Burning Man, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I go out there. I don't go out there for, for the rave atmosphere or the drugs or the, you know, the the naked people or whatever. I'm fine with all of that. All of that is fine. But I go out there because I love the art. Mm-hmm. And I love the people. I love experiencing people in a very different way than we normally experience people. In the to, default world. Day to day here. Don't do default <laughs> world. That, I knew that would bug you. That's Burning Man speak. Um, but yeah, I I think I I think there is something to it. So I guess what it's got me wondering is about how these spiritual needs can be met when People, when you know, for someone like me who I don't want, I look, I don't want to touch someone else's spirituality with a 10 foot pole. You know what I mean? Like, yoga gets a little too womp womp for me when they start to use, you know, Sanskrit words that they don't need to be using. You know what I mean? Right. Like, when, when, you when, st- when you start to take the word namaste, which just means hello and goodbye, and you turn it into like, the light in me recognizes the light in you. Yeah, or it's it's great exercising, balancey, stretchy stuff that's, you know, yeah. but does it need to be but religious and spiritual? I personally get annoyed, you know, when you start to play Enya type music and, you know, there's gongs or whatever. Like, like, the, and that's just me. I'm fine with other people liking it and with it resonating really strongly with other people. Absolutely. But it is interesting. I, I think that we as a, as a, atheist community do need to probably do more to uh, engender a sense of spiritual fulfillment, a sense of, uh, of greater connection between each other. And I, I wish we had a good model for that, that burning man that didn't come from uh, that. Yeah. That didn't come from Christianity that didn't come from any kind of theism Uh, That didn't have the nice thing about Burning Man is that everything has sort of by necessity is reinvented. Yeah. And uh, and turned over. And 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 what you want is to see is to ask, how can I flip this on its head? Yeah. How can I bonk this in a funny way? How can I make this charming, funny, delightful and surprising and interesting and not annoying? And like, you know, like. I love that about about that place. And I wish that we could take I want new ways to take that ethic and uh, and apply it out here in the default world. Well, uh, totally. I also I also think, you know, and I'm not a fan of organized religion. What? I know, weird, right? How dare you? But I guess if it's going to exist, I want it to exist in a world in the realm of absolute acceptance, non you know, a, a, like non-judgmental place, no discrimination, no preconceived notion of of who's right and wrong and who's welcome and who isn't. And so I like, I think it's promising, I guess, from a human perspective, from a humanity perspective, that there are faith leaders that are looking to Burning Man as a model for how to conduct their religious way of being because mm. they see it as a way to keep 
their spirit, their version of spirit, spirituality alive because so many people are leaving religion because it is so hateful. Even if they could just open up their idea of acceptance, yes. just, just that idea, just of, that idea of, of radical. It doesn't even have to be that radical. No, just accept people like literally all you have to do. Your whole job is just to acknowledge and honor the humanity of every human. And they fail at that. Yeah. Like that is your whole job and you do a shit job of it. Even if they could just take that much away from this, from, from this stupid event that is, you know, it's half Coachella now and half. Uh, Yeah. Whatever. I, but that to me means that there are people regardless of their religious affiliation that are willing to look beyond you know, their book and what it supposedly says and, you know, all of the the cultural bigotry that's built into any, you know, one religion. I, I mean, maybe what I, <laughs> ironically, maybe what I'd like is for less faith leaders to have that realization and more religion just dies. That would be great. Well, but I guess if they're going to exist, I'd rather they have this attitude. I agree with that. I think that they should they should take away from the from it that and I think we should take away from it some sense that uh that we have needs beyond uh you know logic God. logic and reason. No, not I'm saying us. Like oh. we as uh as atheists As atheists, I see. have needs beyond just sort of what reason and logic and and can can give us or rather it is logical to say uh, to tend to these these uh, emotional and and for lack of a better word spiritual, spiritual needs. needs. So yeah, I don't know how to do it. I hope that you guys are out there thinking about it because I don't know what to do. Uh, but I'm throwing it out there. Uh, hopefully, who knows? Maybe you and I will be at Burning Man next year. Uh, we're not going this year, but but yeah, I I I did love that about it, and I think that especially. You know, outside of the, you know, religion, just our country in general is so divided right now. And religion's all very much tied into that. But just ideologies in general are splitting people, you know, splitting families in half and all of that. And so I feel like what I loved about Burning Man is I just didn't feel any of that. Mm-hmm. You kind of escape all of it. And, you know, I I loved that. It was kind of a press pause. And yeah. so I I want there to be more of that. All right. I agree with you. So, Andrea, thank you so much for being with us. Of course. Appreciate you uh, filling in. Uh, Hope I did the show justice. <laughs> you, you, you done great. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you guys at home would like to comment on Burning Man and, uh, you know, what the hell spirituality means or anything that we've talked about on today's show, Please feel free to write into us. Podcast at thankgodimatheist.com is the address. You can also call in and have your voice heard, possibly, on the show. The number for that is 424-666-TGIA, which is 424-666-8442. Thank you so much. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash TGIAtheist, and click the like button. Thanks to the Red Rock Hot Club for the use of their beautiful music. And thanks to Gordon Johnston, whose music we didn't use this week, but do every other week. And (laughs) thanks to all of y'all for tuning in. We sure do appreciate you. 
Bye-bye. Bye-bye.